0: Yo, and welcome into week seven of pre gaming the SEC. Jacob Hester, Chris Doring back for another week of SEC football. And we are starting to figure out exactly who is who and what is what here in the SEC. Christopher Paul Doring, how the heck are you, sir?
1: I'm good, man. Definitely a a week to uh contend, uh, figure out who the contenders were and the pretenders. And uh, I, I actually, um, not I think at the end of the day, not real surprised by what happened in, in week five. I mean, it, it, it or was that week five, or week six, week six, week six. It all runs together at this point in time. I, I didn't even say my patented, you know, it's going by too fast, <laughs> but it, 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 um, it, it, I don't know how surprised I actually was. Something to be said about having been there before, you know, Alabama having yeah. been there before pulling one out on the road, LSU having been there before pulling one out against Missouri when it looked unlikely, it's, it's, you know this has when you're when you're part of a team that's trying to figure out how to win ball games, you kind of have to have that moment of of uh, confidence building and right. and it felt like a couple of those teams let opportunities get away from her,
0: yeah. and we talked about this on uh, off campus earlier this week. a and m still feels like you have to punch up to Alabama. And I don't mean that disrespectful to texas a and m. But Alabama still Alabama, certainly in the SEC West, and you made a great point about that earlier. Maybe not in the SEC because of what Georgia has been able to do, but over the last 15-plus years, I mean, Alabama's Alabama. So even though we thought maybe Texas A&M would have some advantages, some of us more than others, we, we didn't see some of those things play out in that game, right? And A&M didn't play bad. A&M didn't play horrible by any means, but it just felt like they, they were – a little hesitant to make the play to win the game, right? Like the fourth and one situation that we've all talked about a lot, like almost like when you're trying to punch up a little bit, go make that play, Yeah, go be aggressive. Because I just think when you don't play aggressively, it's going to always be hard to win that game. And we talked about it outside the conference, like with Arizona and USC, like Arizona, you got to go for two. You don't want the Heisman trophy winner touching the ball again. Right, a la LSU versus yeah. Alabama last year, Bryce Young. I ain't letting that guy come back on the mm-hmm. field. I'm either losing or I'm winning this thing. He's not touching the football again. And sometimes you got to have that mentality in games like this. And it just felt like AM was close to having that mentality, but at the end of the day, didn't play it that way.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it feels like an opportunity that was lost. And it felt like at, heading into the game. And even at some points during the game, it was a very evenly matched football game. I, I don't sit here today and, and feel like Alabama's that much better than Texas A&M. They made the yeah. plays when they needed to, they were certainly the better football fall team. You know, when you look at the scoreboard, but uh, that's the way football is, man. There are a few really important plays in a ball game that can make the difference between winning and losing and Alabama. Every time those plays presented themselves, took advantage of it and Texas A&M did not.
0: All right, let's get to the Hold My Beer portion of the podcast. We'll see if we can get Big Turp to focus here during the show. Our Bravos are down right now as we're recording this podcast, but it's okay. Ye of little faith, you never know until you get 27 outs on you. So we'll see if Big Turp can get in a better mood, but CD, let's do Hold My Beer here. And I'm going to be a good host, and I'm going to throw it to you. Where is your first beer being passed out? Is it well- a good beer? or a beard that may be spoiled a little bit this
1: is uh, a little self-deprecating hold my beer segment because as a lot of people have seen since the game on Saturday uh, a, a shot that I called on a show on Friday morning has been utilized a lot by the Alabama football social media yeah. accounts and uh, I, I looked into the camera I said the Texas a and a better offense a better defense and a better special teams unit than Alabama is and then they Mm -hmm. it's really cool editing because they intersplice some proof that, that that wasn't the case. (laughs) So uh, at at any rate, it's the, uh, it's the hold my beer, like hey, you're doubting us. Mm -hmm. You you don't think we still got it. Hold my beer. I'm going to go show you still Alabama. And I think the thing that's most impressive to me about where Alabama is right now is how much they've improved throughout the season, getting better since that loss to Texas, getting better since that, that struggle with, with South Florida, Uh, watching what I thought was an Achilles heel, the offensive line and the receiver positions, helping them win football games, watching Jalen mm. Milro carry them to a win, not with his legs, but with his arms when he has no run support whatsoever. That, to me, was the sign of a team that's evolving, that can meet, beat you right-handed, they can beat you left-handed. Yeah. And uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit for going out there and winning the game as they did in a hostile environment against a very good, worthy Texas A&M team.
0: So for me, okay. So you know when you've been in like maybe you're in a bar and maybe you got a beer in your hand and your your buddy's doing something where it's it's not great for everybody. It's just not gonna go good. Like maybe he's picking a fight with somebody he shouldn't, or maybe he's talking to somebody he he's got no business talking to, whatever it might be. Like you gotta be the guy that saves the day. Yeah. So that's where I'm going with my whole my beer this weekend, and it's Jaden Daniels. He's watching the LSU defense out there, and he's like, oh, man, again, huh? And he's like 22-7. You're down on the road in the SEC against a pretty good Mizzou team, a 21st-in-the-country-ranked Mizzou team, right? And he sees his buddy doing it again. He's like, man, this guy again? Are you kidding me? All right. And he looks over to his boys. He's like, hey, hold my beer. Hold – I got to go save it again. So this is an
1: exasperated hold my beer?
0: Yes. This is a deep-breath, heavy sigh – Hold hold my beer. Hold up one second. I mean, Jaden Daniels continues to be Heisman-like. 15 of 21, 259 yards, three touchdowns. He adds another 15 for 130 and a touchdown on the ground. He is just the – like, he is the energy. He is the everything for LSU, and they have to have him right now with how bad the defense is playing. And you look up, C.D., and he has improved so much since he walked onto campus, uh, you know, last year, really, in uh, you know, in the springtime, right before spring practice there. And he had had good seasons at Arizona State, and I thought he had a really good season last year in Baton Rouge. Certainly, there was some ebbs and flows. He is playing at a completely different level this year, and also the mentality that Jaden Daniels has. You look up, I mean, he's got he got hit in the end zone, right, rib rib deal don't know how bad it is but he's got a rib injury you can tell uh at one point i look up he's got blood coming from his elbow all the way down through his fingertips it's just dripping blood Mm -hmm. you look up he's got blood coming off uh, off his lip i mean hell the guy's got blood everywhere and he's just continuing to chug along and put his team absolutely on his back and lead them to victory, being down like they were against a really good team. I mean, Brady Cook and Luther Burden, they were out there cooking, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. Also, Cody Schrader was out there running that thing, 13 for 114. So Missouri's offense, I mean, they were out there forcing LSU to have to go out there and do what Jaden Daniels did. But man, I know he's probably like, hey, can y'all help me out a little bit? but he's out there playing at a crazy level right now.
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Heisman talk because I think he is Heisman worthy. And I know in a season of some really good quarterback play across the country, he may be overlooked on a team that right now has two losses. Uh, but I look at not only the numbers that you talked about, but the time when he steps up, when he the team needs him the most in the fourth quarter, third, and nine, they're backed up in their own 20, makes a 14-yard scramble that moves the chains. Yep. Later in that drive down, third and three, scrambles on a actually it was a uh, quarterback draw that he puts his foot in the ground and gets north and south to go 35 yards for the touchdown yeah this guy had 86 yards passing and a touchdown in the fourth quarter 69 yards rushing into another touchdown in the fourth quarter alone like these are our plays at the time when his team needs in the most in the crucial minutes of a game that decide whether your team wins or loses and I think that to me is what a Heisman trophy winner is all about not some gaudy stats that don't necessarily matter but stats that means something that help you win games the way Jaden Daniels has.
0: Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's too many quarterbacks with too many incredible stats, and there's a lot of great quarterback performances out there. Maybe we don't have the year where an RG3 or a Johnny Manziel, where they don't have maybe the team success, obviously, like national championship relevant at the end of the year success. And because their stats were so gaudy, because they did so much for their team that they get to New York and they win a Heisman Trophy. Like this year's going to be hard because you got quarterbacks with the stats and also have a lot of team success, but he certainly deserves to be recognized. And when he got selected first team all SEC quarterback, there were some people that didn't like that. There were some people who thought that that was foolish. Well, nothing foolish about the way he's playing. He's playing as well as anybody in the country right now.
1: Yeah, no, I think um it's surprising because I was thinking back to preseason last year when we weren't sure who was going to win that quarterback competition. We yeah. thought it would be Jaden Daniels largely because of his ability to run and compensate for what we thought was going to be a struggling offensive line. He went I, I think back to that Florida game and, and the success he had throwing the football that night, particularly on third down, it's the moment where he grew up in front of our eyes and became the guy that is on the path where he is now. I, I think we've seen that from a couple quarterbacks this year already. Yeah. It's Carson Beck a couple weeks ago, fourth quarter against Auburn, shows that he's ready for that sort of pressure, grows up, with that final drive that that he took Georgia on to win. Um, you look at what Jalen Milrow did this past week against uh, A&M. Felt like he grew up right in front of our eyes. So it, it, it's kind of fun to watch these guys come in, think they can do it, and then have the success that proves that they can actually do it and what that does for their confidence going forward.
0: All right, before we go to last call, I want to remind you about our friends over at Richard's Honda. Go to their website, richardshonda.com. Once you get to the website, check out those new vehicles. They've got something literally for everybody if you need The midsize SUV, right? They've got the Pilot. They've got the HRV. They've got the Passport, the CRV. They have something for everybody. If you're looking for the minivan, they've got the Odyssey minivan. They've got the Ridgeline truck. You know they got the hybrids. they got the sedans as well. Again, check them out online, richardshonda.com. Richard's Honda, home of the warm and fuzzy feeling. All right, now let's go to our last call. As we look back at week number six, give you one final thought before we move on to week number seven in the SEC. And Chris Doring, your
1: last call is? Well, do you want to start uh, with one particular game? If we're going to talk about the East, I mean, I think we have to give credit to the the, the Georgia Bulldogs. And there's a lot of people that will probably take away from that win and, and say, oh, it was just Kentucky. I've heard a lot of former Georgia players say that. I think that's, I think that's, disrespectful not only to Kentucky but I think it's disrespectful for what Georgia was able to accomplish that's a very good Kentucky defense that Georgia embarrassed first six possessions they had the ball they scored six times Um, they were able to completely shut down the run game of Ray Davis on the other side Uh, the passing game for Kentucky still continues to struggle so I I just think it was a, a game that we finally saw them playing maybe a team that was a little more competitive just uh, Mm -hmm. within the conference and went out there and passed that test with all flying colors, man.
0: It was really, it was their first ranked test. And you're wondering, how's Georgia going to respond after having some tough times against South Carolina and Auburn? And they went out there and they left no doubt. And you're kind of wondering, okay, Kentucky, like, are are you there yet? Are you able to be in a game like that with that magnitude on the road? Because you were undefeated, and you would just beat the hell out of Florida. I mean, a, a team that you for a long time could not figure out, right? So you had some momentum. Is it more CD bad matchup for Kentucky? Was it Georgia doing all the little things right? What Like, what was it for you? for this Kentucky game and why Kentucky wasn't able to go out there and be relevant in this game.
1: Yeah, I think it's some of the both that you just stated there. I think first and foremost, it's a bad matchup when you go out and you're Georgia light, right? And you're trying to beat Georgia at their own ball game. That's why I thought it was so important that Devin Leary start to have some success throwing the football. And not only did did the passing offense not have that explosive nature that you need to win, they went backwards. What, What 10 of, what, 10 of 26, I think is what yeah. the the final numbers were for Devin Leary. Um, this is a problem. You know, it, it's continuing yeah. now through the midpoint of the season, and we're seeing bad throws, we're seeing drop passes, we're seeing busted protection. They, they've got to get this thing right because I, I think they have too good of a quarterback, too good of an offensive yeah. coordinator, too good of a wide receiver group to be struggling the way they are throwing the football right now. But at the end of the day, they're just not quite built yet to be yeah. able to beat Georgia.
0: No, and and look, I was as high on on Devin Leary as anyone. I've seen Devin Leary play at a much higher level, right? I know that there's better football in there. It's been surprising that they just cannot get it going in. Just really can't complete passes. I mean, short routes, intermediate routes, down the field, like it doesn't matter. Like it is a real struggle for them to complete passes. Even when Devin Leary does put it on the money, like the receivers are not making the play. And I thought, honestly, like I was like, oh, they're going to be fine. Like before the season, they're going to be at a level maybe they haven't been in a very long time since you saw how mummy and Mike Leach out there slinging the ball because of what they had a receiver, what they had a quarterback, what they had at running back as well, taking some of the pressure off the pass game CD. And we haven't seen that.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's something they got to get back. Right on that horse again, and we'll talk about it as we start uh, pre-gaming here with Missouri coming to town, but uh, two really interesting uh, mindsets that uh, each of these teams that lost big games last week will have to come in with and, and see if they can erase the memory pretty quick and move forward.
0: Well, you know, that's my last call is actually going to be Missouri because, yes, Missouri lost the game, but that atmosphere in Como was fantastic. It was electric. They are not that far from being able to go and win games like that consistently, right? And they had LSU 22 to seven, and LSU isn't a championship contender right now, but still a top 25 team in your building. Great atmosphere. And you're you're doing things the right way right your your run defense have been so good up until that point and then logan diggs and jaden daniels go out there and they do that so i understand you're disappointed but i don't think you're far cd i think eli drinkwood and you got more there as the offensive coordinator baker as a defensive coordinator that's a really good trio i think i think that trio if they stay together for a while could really make some hay in como i i kind of walk away from that game, yes, you're disappointed because you felt like you had control of that game for a long period of time, but I still think Mizzou is better than what I thought they were coming into the year. I think Brady Cook and Luther Burden and company are elite football players in the SEC, and they still have something they can build off of, and it can go this week with a game that we'll preview a little bit later on.
1: Let me ask you about LSU. You mentioned uh, the, the run defense from Missouri. They were number one in the conference heading into that yep. game. And LSU, I think, ran the ball 25. It was like 25 to 4 uh in the first 29 plays of the game. Yep. Do you think that that was something the coaching staff identified that they felt like they could have success running? Or do you think that they had the success first in the ball game and just kept feeding Logan Diggs because of that success?
0: I think a couple of things. I think they knew they could be successful. I think they thought their offensive line had an advantage against the defensive line. Um I also think that they wanted to kind of control some of the pace of the game. When you talk to some of the people over at LSU, I think in the old Miss game, they knew they had to go kind of score for score and they got down early, so you kind of had to be on the pedal the entire game. But you know, maybe some of those opportunities to run some of that clock, run some of the football, kind of, you know, give your defense a rest. Like it felt Isn't like that it was crazy
1: to think about like an <laughs> offense that's that prolific yeah wanting to minimize the possessions or wanting to minimize the plays that they run like go back to that 2019 lsu offense they wanted to get it as many times as they possibly yeah. could not the defense obviously got better at the end of the year but having to protect the defense by running the ball more is 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 an interesting thought when you have an offense that's yeah. that explosive
0: i know but i i truly feel like that was the case i mean you ran it 43 times you only threw what 23 passes. I mean, it wasn't even close and you could tell it from the get go. I mean, it was the first series was two runs right off the bat, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And you've got this quarterback that's playing as well as any quarterback in the country. And you still did that. Now Logan Diggs has been playing really, really well, but yeah, I mean, to me that pointed to, okay, we got to control some of this. We got to, you know, maybe limit some of these possessions because last week we didn't do that. And we were, as good as you want to be offensively, but even that, because we didn't score on two of our possessions, wasn't enough. It is yeah. wild. It's wild to say, but that's what it feels like.
2: Yeah. Well, well, dude, I'm just talking yeah. a recent memory, not digging back 20, 30 years. Is the LSU team this year as big of a disparity as you've seen between two units, offense, defense? Because I know, like, the early Lane Kiffin offense was prolific. Yeah. We were always talking hey,
0: this about is defense. This is Iowa. This is Iowa, but flip it. This is Iowa offense and Iowa defense. They're the Spider-Man meme pointing at LSU right now. <laughs> like, Iowa's offense last year, Big Turb. they were – I think they were 130 in total. I think they were 130, total offense, and then they were number two in total defense. LSU's, like, 121, I believe, in total defense, and they are fourth overall in total offense. This is LSU is Iowa right now, as far as you know, one side of the ball playing at an elite level, and the other one being a real liability.
1: Let me ask you this question though, Hester, as an LSU guy, eight possessions in the second half for Missouri, only two scoring drives that Missouri was able to put together, so fourteen points on those eight possessions. It almost felt like they figured something out, and and I think that interception in the in the second quarter uh, was perhaps one of the biggest turning points in the ball game and it very well may prove to be a turning point in the season for LSU. I mean, are you buying any of the improvement in the second half of that, that LSU defense?
0: I mean, it could be, I'm trying, as you were saying that, I'm trying to look up the stop rate in the country, right? Stop rate, Uh, amount of possessions that teams have against you, that they don't score points that you get them off the field. So this could be a field goal or a touchdown and LSU right now is 128 in the country. They're only ahead of Arkansas State, Kent State, Hawaii, Charlotte, New Mexico as far as getting off the field without giving your opponent points. So, yeah, I'll take it if I'm an LSU fan. I mean, right. only giving up two touchdowns and eight possessions because before that, you were about 50% touchdowns. I, I got some good up. news
1: for you, though. Auburn is up next up on the schedule, and Auburn's offense is not very good. So you want to find a way to help that stop rate improve? Yeah play against the Auburn Tigers. That's the uh, one dimensional team. They are, they have, very little ability to throw the football. Yeah, remember
0: that. the Spider Man meme I just said? I mean, yeah. this is LSU's pass defense and Auburn's past offense pointing at each other.
1: <laughs> Both of those are ranked
0: 121 in the oh. country. So, which bad will win out? And we'll preview that a little bit later on in the show. Before we get to our guests, though, I do want to remind you about our friends over at Blue Delta Jeans. Go to bluedeltajeans.com, and there you will find all the information that you need to find your fit, your pants, your measurements nothing feels as good as custom fits we tell you that every single week so go check out our friends over at bluedeltajeans.com. all right now we do want to welcome on our guest this week we are going to be joined by former south carolina quarterback steven garcia to break down some game cocks look back at some old stories from his playing time as well
1: steven it is great to catch up with you man and, and we'll get into talking a little bit more about the 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 South Carolina, Florida stuff uh, as we go on the show. But I want to take, take you back, man. Like I was, I was in uh, Columbia. uh, I think it was the first year that, that coach Burrier was at South Carolina and um, coaching on that other sideline. I was on the Florida sideline. It was just like a a surreal moment for me kind of watching my coach coaching the other team. What, what was it like for you being around him game week of florida because when i was at when i was at florida he was always a little different for georgia week how, how was he for florida week or or was georgia still the most important game kind of to him in, in your opinion
3: uh i mean i would say it was probably similar to how he was when he was at florida coaching against georgia um that week against florida it was i mean me and him didn't have a very great relationship to go to to start with but uh but yeah it was it was like everybody's walking on eggshells and you know, you don't you you don't want to miss class at all that week. You don't wanna you wanna to go to every single thing that you're supposed to do and uh, because he is he was on edge at all times, more so than he typically is. And I know you know he's he's on yeah. edge often. So uh, yeah, that, that week against Florida was always was always hellacious to say the least.
0: Let's talk about the current coach, Shane Beamer. Uh, we love Shane, man. Shane has been great to us with his time and always appreciate hanging out with him down in Destin for spring meetings and the media days as well. Like he still, to me, feels like the right guy for the job. And I realize South Carolina had aspirations to start the season better, but I still think that Shane Beamer is the right guy for the job. And eventually down the road, this program is going to be in his mold the way that he wants it to look and it's going to be successful.
3: I mean, I, I sure as hell hope, too. Uh, and I, I do believe that as well. I know, you know, his, his leash has definitely gotten shorter um, from everything that I've read on social media. But, again, I mean, you read all sorts of nasty stuff on social media, so who really cares about that? But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think he is he's the right guy for the job moving forward. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately kind of kind of deal. Yeah. It's like, you know, we, we want to win now. You know, obviously, they beat Tennessee last year. They beat Clemson, which they haven't done in a while. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he is, I think he's the, the, the way to go and, you know, he's going to get these guys going in the direction that we used to be at.
1: What's the ceiling for, for the program? Do you, th- given where we are right now w- with NIL stuff and transfer portal and, and, uh, the addition of Texas and Oklahoma next year, I mean, what, what do you think a realistic expectation should be amongst Carolina fans?
3: <laughs> it's tough, man. It's tough to answer that, uh, Honestly, um, because we just we just don't have the, the money that you know these other schools have, and that's just being honest. Uh, you know these guys now that you know I don't know if they've done it yet, but I'm pretty sure Florida's the next state that's going to allow high school players to get paid. And so you know the NIL has changed everything dramatically. The transfer portal has changed everything dramatically. And you know I remember seeing Coach uh, Beamer this past off season, and we were at some event, and he just came up to me afterwards, and he just looked exhausted from like shaking donors' hands and. You know kissing babies and doing all the other stuff, and trying to keep these guys from bouncing around different, you know, schools that will pay them more money. Uh, it is, it's a lot different, you know, than you know, when we were playing. It's, it's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's recruiting your own roster. What feels like exactly. every single day, I mean, exactly. almost every single now. Hopefully these new transfer windows will help that, but I can't imagine, because, I mean, look, all three of us know this, we've been a part of it, high school recruiting is exhausting, because you're going into multiple high schools per day, and you're having to, you know, come up with, hey, you're the latest, you're the greatest, and come up with a speech, but having to do that with your own guys every single day, like, I'm not sure that anybody can keep up with that, doing that every single day.
3: For sure, and I mean, I'd like to say that our ceiling is, you know, we can compete for an SEC, you know, title, but. It's 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 down the road as far as just me being honest. I just think it's it's very far down the road.
1: All right, evaluate what you've seen from from Spencer Rattler. Like going back to last year when he first got there, you know, it looked like really was a struggle. And when we have heard you know the ideas of simplifying the offense last year, it started to hit the hit the uh, upward trajectory uh, against Tennessee and on through Clemson and and just really picked up where he left off. Like uh, looking at what he's done. And looking at his little run support that he's had, and as little protection that he's had, I mean, what what, what do you uh, make of of the job he's done this year for your alma mater?
3: Uh, this this year is definitely a, a vast improvement from last year. Um, I would say, you know, I, I caught a lot of hell on uh, Instagram or Twitter, whichever one it was, because uh, you know they were talking about the offensive line that week one against uh, North Carolina, and it's like I don't know what game y'all are watching, but he's holding on the ball for five, six, seven seconds. I mean, you can't ask these guys to block for that long, so. Um, I think that first week he was he was holding the ball on, you know, holding the very long, but you know, throughout the year, I think he's played a lot better. and uh, you know we're we're gonna go as far as he takes us. That's just how it is. you know we we like you mentioned, we don't have much of a run game, uh, which it's it's tough, man. if you don't have a run game, it is tough to sit back there and just let these guys pin their ears back. But uh, I think he's played a lot better this year than he has last year. and you know he's he's obviously a hell of a talent. so i'm uh, I'm pulling for him and hoping that he can, you know have a big game this week.
0: And Leggett's been great, but like going this entire season basically without Juice Wells is always going to be tough. Like when you have that playmaker and South Carolina over the last couple years done a great job of like having these guys that can do multiple things. And Juice Wells was kind of one of those guys. And then when you're out that guy, it's like, yeah, Leggett can step up, but it's like when you're South Carolina and you don't have a running game to your point, Steven, like, man, you got to have multiple guys that you feel like you can go out there and trust if you're Spencer Rattler.
3: For sure. For sure. And as you mentioned, it's when you have a guy like Juice that goes out. It's it's it is tough. It is tough because now you can kind of game plan. All right, we're not gonna let you know leg it. We're not gonna let, leave him open. We're gonna kind of spy on him in every single play. And yeah, it's tough. It is. It is very tough. So, like I said, hopefully Juice can have some somewhat of a comeback and make it make it uh make it play. You know, make a couple games towards the end of the year. But it's it's tough sledding right now.
1: Let's go back to your playing days, man. Was there a, a game? That was kind of more special than another for you and a, a certain opponent, a, a certain venue that you liked going to in the SEC more than others.
3: Uh, uh, Florida, for sure. You know, being <laughs> being from Florida, and yeah. uh, you know, I got a bunch of bunch of friends and family friends that are are Gator fans, and you know, it was it was always fun to go up there and you know get booed and also get you know a little shit talk to. But uh, but yeah, I mean, getting a chance to go up there in 2010 and you know beating them in the swamp that was that was you know everybody talks about the Alabama game, but you know beating the Gators in the swamp is it's it ain't easy to do, and the first the first two tries, uh, we were I think outscored like 110 to seven or something like that. So you know, for us to for us to win in there was was definitely special for me specifically. You know, being from Florida,
0: with that game coming up this week, you look at it. I mean, it's really an opportunity for South Carolina to kind of get back on track and you, you look at the other teams like in the east and certainly Georgia's at the top and then Kentucky's five and one Mizzou's five and one and like you want South Carolina to compete in that kind of category of okay in that group of teams that are pushing to try to get to Georgia and CD and I have talked about South Carolina like it feels like they're close to making that jump not quite there yet it has some disappointing losses but if you go out and you beat Florida obviously and you still have those teams left in your schedule that's not something that can't be achieved this year.
3: For sure. For sure. And I think everybody kind of uh, saw Kentucky get exposed this past weekend. Um, so, you know, that's their five and one is not a, it's not a very good indication of their their talent level, just in my you know opinion. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you get a chance to go out and beat Florida uh, this week and, you know, sort of right the ship and, you know, kind of forget about the Tennessee and the, you know, the other losses that we've suffered so far. But yeah, I think I think this is a very big week for us. And, you know, every week is, as you know, man, it's both. You all know, it, every week's a huge week. And, you know, this is definitely a a time to, you know, write the ship, especially after coming off the bye. You know, hopefully everybody's healthy.
1: So I would imagine you'd say that you enjoyed playing in Coach Spurrier's offense. I, I loved uh, you know, everything I, I think about now, I go back to the the verbiage that we learned at Florida that we used at Washington when I was there. If you were playing today though, is there an an offense in college football or in the SEC specifically that you liked that you you'd enjoy playing in?
3: In the SEC specifically, uh I don't I don't really know I don't watch enough of the guys to uh to see that but yeah I think uh I think playing for you know Colorado that offense looks freaking awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. uh you know you look at uh the other USC out in California um I mean that's a pretty fun offense to, to to play in but yeah as far as as far as the offense and the SEC I mean LSU's throwing up a bunch of big numbers so I mean that's that's probably a fun offense and you know I know Josh Heupel pretty well and you know, Tennessee's got a pretty potent offense as well. It's it's just tough. I don't I don't watch enough of their games to mm-hmm. to really make a, a good decision.
0: <laughs> I mean, but it still looks like I mean college quarterbacks have so much more freedom than when all of us oh play, even. Dude. I mean, they have the ability to go out there and you've got eleven personnel most of the time and you're not trying to get in the eye formation anymore. And you can check things at the line and you just have completely different schemes than when any of us played even cd like i mean obviously you all were throwing the football there with coach spurrier but it's done a different way now
3: oh it's 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 drastically different it is 100 percent different and uh it's definitely a little more fun to watch that's that's for sure but yeah the old days of you know the ground and pound and you know great defenses in the sec it, those days are a thing of the past at least at least in my opinion
1: yeah all right. So let's go to uh, the matchup this weekend, ma'am. I, I know uh, I probably paid a lot more attention to to South Carolina than you have Florida, but w- what's uh, one of the things that either concerns you uh, with South Carolina that, that you think might be most important for them to get the win or or something that uh, you're feeling good about as it relates to the matchup?
3: It's, it's kind of tough. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, you know, just the run game. We haven't had a run game in all year and really even last year we didn't really have much of one so you know I think that's going to be crucial if we can get you know some some sort of running game going if we can give Spencer a little bit more time back there I think he has a the chance to kind of pick them apart but you know it's it's all who knows who knows what the hell is going to happen and you know which who knows what Florida team's going to show up are they going to be the team that yeah. you know beats Tennessee or you know it's you never know you never know it's uh it's going to be interesting either way
0: having that game at home though i mean you have to feel much better about that because look sure. i hate to give cd credit but the swamp regardless of how good florida is or is not that's a tough place to play and williams bryce as you know like even sometimes like regardless of record they're still going to show up and that's going to be a big advantage for south carolina
3: absolutely absolutely i mean any time you can play at home uh in the sec you're 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 definitely going to be favored uh unless you're playing against a you know obviously a better team but yeah, I think uh I think it's definitely beneficial that we're playing, you know, Florida in, in Williams Bryce. Do you guys
1: get uh together much? I mean, have you guys had any reunions of, of some of your old teams
3: yet? Not freaking one, man. It's it's no. unbelievable. Not one. Nice. I know Coach Spurrier was trying to do it. Um and then the pandemic bullshit happened, so we didn't get a chance to do it. But uh but yeah, I think we are we're doing it this year, um November fourth against Jacksonville State. So that should be interesting. Getting to see all those guys, and I talked to a bunch of them on, you know, social media, and they said they're all going to be there. So, we, yeah. uh, we're, gonna, we're we're going to light it up pretty good that uh <laughs> that, that trip.
1: Such a fun fun group, man. So many big names from that team that you played with, and and obviously it was one I was paying a little more attention to with Coach Burger being there. But you've said before, I, I love listening to you talk about some of the things that that you wish you'd have done differently. And and you mentioned earlier on the relationship with Coach Burr was a little rocky in the beginning. What, what's that relationship like now? I know you're close with. With Jerry, his wife, but uh, how, how's your relationship with Coach?
3: I mean, it's it's so much better, and uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't rocky just in the beginning; it was rocky throughout the entire uh, <laughs> the entire tenure I was there. So, you know, but like I said, man, I never did myself any favors. I was extremely hard headed, so that's why I try to tell these kids that I'm training now. I try to tell my own kids that it's like, you know just just shut the hell up and do do what your coach is asking you to do, and you'll have a lot better you know time playing out there. Um, but yeah I mean me and him relationship where it's it's great now uh, I still talked to I talked to her I think, I think like last week mm-hmm. last last Wednesday so yeah they're they're doing great they're gonna be at the uh, at the reunion so it's I'm, I'm you know excited to see him
1: tell tell Hester how good the uh aluminum foil cookies were in your locker for your your home oh my God
3: those are unbelievable, man! Unbelievable. No, no wonder I was up to two fifty-seven at one point <laughs> playing quarterback there. And I was like, I mean, so everyone, everyone, she would make them for everybody, and all the time she would just give me a little extra ones every for everybody's birthday. I'm like, cheese! You were trying to fat my ass up, and it worked. <laughs> they were unbelievable, though. They are they they were the best I've ever had for sure. Have you been to the uh, restaurant up here in Gainesville yet? I have not. How how is it, though? Is it it solid?
1: It's good. It's good. Coach comes out there, blows the whistle, you know, starts asking trivia questions. I got to get you up to to Gainesville. Certainly going to get you up for the Spurrier Award. But they uh, they have Jerry's chocolate chip cookies on the menu. I don't think they're quite authentic. They're not they're not the same as (laughs) as they once were. But uh, still, the memory of them eating them uh, takes me back to those days in the uh, locker room for sure, man.
3: Awesome. Well, I definitely want to come up there. You know, it's Tampa. It's an hour and a half drive. It yeah. ain't too far.
1: Yeah, not
3: bad yeah. at all. Well, let me know, uh, man. I'm down, to, I'm down to go up there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, well, after South Carolina, if they take care of business, then certainly, like, that's the time you need to go up there.
3: For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I,
1: I don't know what the <laughs> expectation level – like, I, I don't know how to feel about this game as a Florida I guy going in. Yeah. I, I don't really have any sort of real – feel for like
3: you said which which team which Florida team's going to show up man. South
0: Carolina too though right. I mean I think it falls for both teams
3: yeah absolutely 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 yeah I don't I don't think either of them have much of an identity now just it's 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 kind of it's kind of tough to watch but at the same time man that's that's your Almighty gotta he gotta pull yeah. so it's going to be interesting either way I'm I'm going to some Gamecock, uh like Tampa Club watch party so Hopefully, hopefully we have a good uh, a good showing.
1: What's the uh, what's the contingent of Gamecock fans like in, in Tampa? A decent little pocket.
3: First time ever going, so I, I, <laughs> I have no idea. I have no You're idea what to out. expect. Yeah, I have no idea. It should be it should be fun either way. I know I'm going to have fun regardless. I'll can make we get? It, I'll make sure I have fun. Can we get uh, Zach Bryndice up there too? Get him to uh, make the drive up. Yeah, he he's impossible to get a hold of, man. It's. <laughs> He'll he'll reach out to you if he needs something though that's for sure and I hope I hope he's yeah. listening to this shit yeah we, we'll, we'll make sure he gets a
1: uh, gets to listen to it that that's the
3: Brandeis way though he
1: runs in it runs in his family from his older brother so uh, has his older brother Noah was my roommate at, at Florida too nice. so we have yep. a a connection there as well
0: absolutely hey Steve man we truly do appreciate your time we appreciate you hopping on with us uh, man enjoy continuing uh working with quarterbacks man hear great things about that i mean like any information you can share about maybe how to get in touch with you
3: uh yeah just any of my uh, social media just add steven garcia on twitter and then uh steven garcia underscore five on uh, instagram
0: absolutely there he is hey we appreciate your time brother
3: absolutely guys i appreciate y'all talk to you soon Stay Stay fine. You fine. all right sounds good yes, man sir. all
0: right we appreciate steven garcia former south carolina quarterback for pre-gaming the sec with us now it's our turn to pregame. We do it every single week. Let's dive into the week seven slate here in the SEC as we pregame the SEC. And to do that, we welcome in a very sad Big Turp because our Atlanta Braves, and look, this is an SEC podcast. I think a lot of our listeners are probably right there with us, but we're recording on Wednesday night. So right now, not going well for the Bravos, down six to one. But as we saw last game, you never say never on this Braves offense. So Big turp with that being said, Hopefully you'll be in a better mood, but we got a pregame, so we got to fight through it.
2: I'm used to this, man. I'm I'm a seasoned <laughs> Braves veteran. I'm used to them blowing yeah. it in the playoffs. I'm good. I feel
1: like we we did this last year, too,
0: weren't there
2: we yep. doing yeah. this
1: podcast? And this I think was it was during on?
2: the Dodgers game, and that was the one where Cody Bellinger yeah. hit the three-run shot, which was heartbreaking, but then they recovered. Um, all right, let's talk some football, not baseball. Let's go Georgia Vandy at noon on CBS. Obviously, Georgia coming off that huge 50 point outing. They're favored by 31 and a half here. Vanderbilt now two and five, 0 oh and three in the SEC. So we won't spend too much time here. Just what are you looking to see from both teams here?
1: Do, do you remember two years ago when Georgia went to Vanderbilt? I think it was a noon game uh, on the SEC network. And Georgia scored like 31 points in the first quarter of that ball game. It was Lad McConkey. It was Brock Bowers. <laughs> yeah. and it was these guys that we didn't even know much about because it was right in the season still that had breakout games. I want to see that level of focus. It, Georgia's at the the time now. They've they've gotten some of the rust knocked off. They've got guys that are new playmakers that are you know, completely acclimated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a, a great start against Kentucky, so they're out of that whole slow starting mode and label. Come out and handle your business. Like, great football teams, you know this has... Yeah. Great football teams don't care about who's on the other side of the field. They no. don't care about anything other than their own performance. And I want to see Georgia play to that level on on offense and on defense this week.
0: Yeah, great football teams are, I want to impose my will on you, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. That's what great football teams do. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. And if I'm a Georgia fan, I want to see that. I want to see that this week. I want to see them go out there and do the things that you're talking about. Hey, you look up, you're up 21, 28 to nothing in the first quarter. All right you're going to have more bulldog fans there than vandy fans that's just what it is that trip every single year for every single fan base is always the biggest one so you're going to have a lot of advantages in this game go take full advantage of those advantages if you're georgia and then for vandy man i just cd i don't know man i thought they're going to be more competitive than this yeah. I, I thought they would be a team that at this point would have three, maybe even four wins. They're sitting there at two and five. They just don't look like they're taking that step that I thought they were going to take after last year taking a leap. Feels like they if took you, a le- it,
1: step back, in fact. Yeah, no, that, I it,
0: think, no, without question, they did. Last year, you, look, I don't care, records be damned. If you're at Vandy and you beat Kentucky and Florida, certainly where Kentucky is now yeah. compared to where they used to be, Yeah. well, that, that showed me something I'm like, oh, oh, damn, they're about to go do this thing. They're about to go be like, maybe you know bowl team like let's let's see what they can do here and it's been the opposite you're right it's not a step forward it's in fact two steps back
1: yeah i think uh the frustrating thing for me is looking at how good these receivers are looking even you know forget that that uh, aj swan has been out i mean ken seals is a a veteran quarterback in this league at vandy they just can't get anything going offensively And it's frustrating for those commodore fans i'm sure
0: all right, Big Turf. Sorry we didn't have any uh you know better Vanderbilt information, but I just see the Bulldogs rolling in this one pretty easily.
2: Yeah, that's uh pretty understandable. 31 and a half point spread there, like I said. <laughs> so we'll work it uh down from largest spreads to smallest this week. The next is Alabama favored by 19 over Arkansas in Tuscaloosa. Here we said this, I think the last two weeks, recounting how Arkansas started the season and where they're at now. They started yeah. to know. Then they lost to BYU, then LSU, then A&M, and then Ole Miss. Now they got Bama. So they are on a four-game slide. What do they need to do to snap out of this? Because, you know, Bama's playing their best ball of the season. So, I mean, it's 19-point spread in Tuscaloosa. What do you think?
1: H- Hess, let me ask you a question real quick. How worried are you about our guy Sam Pittman?
0: The meter's starting to get into the red, right? It's past the green, it's past the yellow, past the orange. It's getting into the red. Like those expectations there are really high. Yeah. And they've had a tough stretch. This is a hell of a stretch that they've had. Having to go to Baton Rouge, playing a game in a neutral side, and then, you know, having a really good Ole Miss team uh, on the road. And then you're back on the road again. You haven't been home since Moby Dick was a minnow, it feels like. I mean, you've been out. And so, like, in the teams you're playing too. Yeah. So I, like, I understand some of the struggles, but as you know, don't care. You've done what? Don't care. Like, that's yeah. just the way the mentality is in the SEC. So we love our guy Sam Pittman, man. And and sometimes the perfect fit, maybe, like, it it doesn't become a perfect fit. Like, it felt like it, certainly when they won nine games, when they had one of the toughest schedules in the country. But, man, you're sitting there, you're staring 0-4 right in the face in the SEC. Arkansas is the only team that has not beaten Nick Saban at Alabama out of the SEC West still. So, like, you got everything stacked against you. You're running on fumes. It feels like offensively, you're a hot mess. I I can't even CD. I can't get you to cover this game.
1: Don't you feel like though, that Sam Pittman's a victim of his own success, like too much winning too soon with a a program that was in shambles when he took it over, he set the bar too high for himself. And now there are fans that have unrealistic expectations, particularly playing in the sec West, the way that they do. Like it's, it's a bad matchup this week for them. Their offensive line has been terrible. They've shifted guys around. They're trying to figure yeah. out the right combination and can't do it. Now, they were better in, in, in that game against Ole Miss, but y- you honestly believe that they're going to go block Dallas Turner and the rest of that that Alabama front seven? I mean, 19.5 points, Big turp sounds kind of low. It's almost like a fishy line to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, three touchdowns. But still, like again, I don't know that I can get Arkansas to cover. I mean, you get you know another week of Rocket Sanders hopefully being more healthy than he was a week ago. Still look like he had a little hitch in his get up a week ago at CD. I mean, you got two teams going in opposite directions, and yeah. I just I don't know that Arkansas right now has anything before they get to a bye week left in the tank.
1: I think you're seeing KJ Jefferson's frustration
2: and not yeah. able to
1: have the run game help support him that he feels like he's got to lift all of the, the, the team production by himself on the offense and he's throwing the ball, making, you know, one of the worst interceptions that I've seen him throw in his career. Yeah. I just think he's pressing a little bit too much and not just letting the game come to him like he has in the past.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't feel like he's going to find that this season, new offense coordinator, brutal schedule on the road, the whole deal. I, even during a bye week like you hope, because you know what kind of player he can be. And we saw that obviously against LSU this year, and we've seen it many times in his career, but I just don't have a lot of high hopes for Arkansas right now. It feels like it's just stacked against them too much.
2: All right. The next closest spread LSU favored by 11 in Baton Rouge against Auburn. That's a 7 PM Eastern on ESPN. What are we thinking here? You guys talked about the, uh, the Spider-Man meme before of LSU's (laughs) pass defense, Auburn's pass offense, which of those forces wins out?
1: To, it, you, you know this series very well, having played in it, and I think every time Auburn and LSU hook up, we talk about how weird some of the occurrences are in this series. I mean, any chance that you see all of a sudden Auburn coming off their, their bye week, figuring something out offensively to where they're able to to throw the ball a little bit more successfully than they have?
0: Coming off a of bye week and coming you know into this game with Hugh Freeze, Having that extra time? Yeah, probably. You'll probably find something. And, and obviously a recipe for any passing offense that has been struggling to have some success is go against LSU, right? Even though LSU did figure out some things in the second half, it's a great, hey, kind of a bounce-back spot or bounce-up spot, whatever you want to call it, for the Auburn passing attack.
1: But, but in this actually a good matchup, like, if I'm if I'm LSU, forget playing zone coverage. Like the zone coverage yeah. has been killing them.
2: Yeah, you're let's bad line,
1: at it. Let's line up against Auburn. You we know, we're not all overly impressed with their 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 wide receivers, their pass catchers. Um,
0: they're probably the best weapons. Probably their tight end. They're
1: tight end. Rivaldo Fairweather, I think, is is probably the the guy that they like to go to, particularly in the red zone. But like, why not just go play cover one lineup? play man coverage, get an extra guy down in the box, be a little more physical against the run game, yeah. and take your chances that they're not going to be able to beat you throwing the football.
0: I'm with you because if you're not good in zone coverage, why do it? You play yeah. zone, and certainly you play quarters coverage, which to some of our listeners, I think some of you probably know, but it is a coverage in which you are trying to not get beat. You're trying to keep things in front of you. It's a We used very to call it a coverage. big
1: umbrella coverage, right? You're just yes. trying to, 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 to stay – yeah. behind the You got four receivers. deep
0: set. Saf- yeah, yeah, four deep safeties and you got a lot of guys underneath and and everybody's playing passive. I'm not a big fan of it. In fact, even in flag football at the 4th and first grade level, when I see teams that are back there and dropping in four guys deep, I'm like, "Oh, sign me up for this. Hey, check post. Check that post. Yeah, you're getting that scene Yep, get right there." You going uh, dig post combo? Yes, yes.
1: There
3: you go. Right?
0: And it's okay, and and if you're not good at that, Because the reasons you do it is to try to shore some things up and maybe try to play that safe nature that we're talking about. No, the hell with that, man. You're not good at it. So what do you try to do? Go try to be aggressive. Go see if you can play cat coverage, right? I mean, try anything that you possibly can do to switch it up. I mean, you're having to use so many resources to – to try to stop teams through the air. I mean, you're using your best pass rusher as a nickel Sam, Harold Perkins, because you have to. It feels like out of necessity, you have to drop him into coverage.
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard to believe that LSU is void of a, a true nickel player to the point where they got to play maybe their best pass and, rusher at well, that, you, that nickel spot.
0: You had a nickel last year, Sage Ryan, who's really a safety but played nickel out of necessity, and now he's starting
1: corner. Yeah.
0: He's well, a corner, he's a safety, but he's having to play corner again at a necessity.
1: Yeah, the overall skill of the secondary in general is confusing to me given yeah. all the success. And and may I, that's that's unfair because I, I I am confused as to why the secondary is not more talented. But you're really talented up front and you get no pressure whatsoever. What's more confusing to me is Mason Smith and his ability not to have a bigger impact. I don't know if he's not healthy. I don't know if he's – trying to stay healthy, and I. but he doesn't look like he's showing up on tape. No, the way it's just that a I lot of hand it fighting. It's just yeah. a lot of
0: hand fighting, just a lot of, like, engage and yeah. then, like, trying to, like, post up and kind of get the last, you know, last word in instead of getting off
2: blocks.
1: Do you think like, that's, like, and I've never played that position before, but having a knee injury, playing on the interior of the, the line of scrimmage, like, there's some... Hesitancy to, to really get up in there and have bodies flying at your at your ankles. And I don't knees. know, man.
0: I, I'll be honest with you. Like LSU's defensive line coach, Jimmy Lindsay, unfortunately had a, a medical emergency right before training camp. I mean, I think actually maybe like the day it started. I'd have to go back and check. And so they've been without a D-line coach this entire year. Now yeah. you try to piece it together on the staff and move guys, but it was so bad. Like the technique and they were lining off like a yard and a half off the ball against Ole Miss. Like I'd never seen that before in my life. Yeah. Like I can, I can hear Ed Ogeron yelling, "Credit card, credit card!" Because you should be able to fit only a credit card in between you and the offensive lineman.
1: Yeah,
0: right. And they were like a yard and a half off the ball. Well, that's why you bring in eighty-two-year-old Pete Jenkins. That your fundamentals were so bad on the defensive front that you brought in an eighty-two-year-old analyst who's one of the legends of the game off the street to yeah. come help you out. So. I don't think it's all on Mason. Now, Mason has not played to the level anybody thought he would, but neither has Makai Wingo. And I know Makai Wingo is a great football player. I know Mm -hmm. he's a Sunday football player. I know he gives you everything that he's got. So for me, it's more of of technique issues and it's some things that they have to get shored up. It was better last week, and hopefully, if you're an LSU fan, Pete Jenkins can fix a lot of those issues.
1: Victor, what else we got, man?
0: Hey, with all that being said, though, real quick before we move on, Jaden Daniels will win this game for LSU, right? As bad as the defense is, as bad as things are going for them, even if Auburn does find success, I can't find a path that Auburn can slow him down enough and for them, because of their offensive woes, to score enough to beat LSU. You
1: can't tell me, though, you're not a little concerned with the health of Jaden Daniels after the beating that he took against oh, yeah. Missouri. I mean, and I love I love Garrett Nussmeyer, and, and I think he's a very adequate quarterback that can 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 play really well for you but you could tell the body language of the team the offense when yeah. Jaden daniels came back in and what yeah. he did to upload uh uplo- oh, when back. he went down
0: it was like oh yeah. dear
1: god yeah
0: oh my lord yeah <laughs> what so, is going yeah I, you sure. got to
1: keep him healthy you, you got to keep him healthy and that I, I feel like he takes some shots i don't know if he doesn't know how to get down i don't know if he, you know not uh, he needs to go across the, the ponderosa
0: and go see jay johnson and Jay needs to go teach him how to slide into second base, third base, home. It doesn't matter. Just yeah. maybe that, because I yeah. love the toughness, too gritty to be pretty. I love all of that, but also LSU needs you if they have any chance at no having doubt. a big year. So,
2: all right, we got three games left and spreads of minus three and a half, minus two and a half, and minus two. Three very good games. The three and a half is Texas A&M at Tennessee. That's a three thirty on CBS here, obviously. Hey,
1: clarify that, by the way, because it, it's actually t- Tennessee that's favored by three and a half, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah,
2: Tennessee I, favored by three and a half, over under 55 and a half.
1: I was shocked by that, to be honest with you, Big Turp. Like, I, I I feel like in just the matchup and watching Georgia play against the Tennessee offense last year, how physical they were able to be and how much trouble that gave the offense not only the ability to run the ball, but pressure on the quarterback and how that disrupted the pass game. This is a a Tennessee offense that's number one in the conference in running the football. They're 14th in the conference when it comes to throwing the football. They're going up against the Texas A&M defense that's number one against the run. Like, this is a classic strength on strength. And I just – I don't see them being able to consistently run the ball against Texas A&M's defense. And you haven't been able to consistently – throw the football down the field like this this Josh Heupel offense is known to do like i i i think the wrong team's favorite here and and i don't know if that's tip of my hand i'm not committing yet early commitment last week didn't serve me well so <laughs> i'm going to hold off but like I, I was a little surprised to see the the AM folks ded, uh dedicated as the underdog here
0: Neyland's different it's a different place tennessee's a different team in that building this is basically a pickem that's why you get the three points there. And, you know, look, Neyland's a one of the the better home field advantages in all of college football, not just the SEC. Uh, I, I guess I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah. I think Tennessee playing in that building is just a completely different team. If they play like they did against South Carolina, they win the game. They do. Uh, and if I'm Texas A&M, you know what I do? I play just like Florida did. Same style. I'm, that's a blueprint for my success because – No disrespect to the Gators. A&M can play that style as good or better than the Gators. So I'm intrigued by how does Texas A&M come out? What is their style in this game? And also for Tennessee, right? Right, because Wright has been right running the football for Tennessee. Uh, 435 yards are there somewhere in that neighborhood on the year. Okay, well, what if Texas A&M stops that? Because they're damn good at stopping the run. Alabama didn't even run last week. Can Milton make the plays to go win you the game? That's the biggest question mark in this one for me.
1: Are you at all concerned about when you look at at, uh, Texas A&M's offensive line? Like I I felt like they had been, if if not a strength, at least a neutral uh, when you're breaking them down prior to the Alabama game. But watching them, they they struggled to to pass protect. They struggled to run the ball. It looked like everything that A and M tried to do off on offense was hard. Like anything they yeah. earned was was a grind. And I, I I wonder just how good this this Texas A and M offensive line is going to show themselves to be as they continue on through SEC play.
0: I don't know. I still think there's some clunkiness to the A and M offense. It's yeah. better. It certainly is better. But they're still like they'll they'll have a stretch of three or four plays, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Those plays don't play off each other. Why yeah. were you Why were you running those plays in that sequence? They still have some of that. And as good as Max Johnson is in the pocket, and I think it's his biggest strength, sometimes he's too good in the pocket. And what I mean by that is he climbs up and finds a way and finds a window enough. But it still takes a long time. Yeah. Like, even if you're doing the right things in the pocket, it still does take a long time. And then it's going, you know, your protection is going to break down a little bit. So there's a couple of issues that I still have with A&M's offense. I, I don't think they're as far as they've been in the past, but they're still not as crisp as they want to be.
1: Where are these big explosive pass plays that we saw in the pre conference season? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Noah Thomas catching the, those go routes, watching Evan Stewart, like, uh, Anaya Smith, uh, Moose Muhammad, a lot of their big plays came on catch and runs, but yeah. where are the ones over the top? Where are the ones that you're able to to stretch the defense, whether you hit them or you don't? I just didn't I didn't feel like they took a lot. Maybe it was because they were worried about protection, but it, it, that is the strength of your team, and I thought it was going to be a little bit more of a vertical passing game this year uh, based upon what I saw in the pre-conference season.
0: Real quick, last thought on this game before we move on if a and m loses this game and they're four and three two and two in the SEC, what's that conversation you asked me about Sam Pittman earlier. I'm throwing this one at you for Jimbo Fisher.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I really think it has to do with the totality of the season uh this is a huge ball game you know to one of the signs of a good coach is how he can get a team ready to go after a disappointing performance and this was probably as, as big a disappointment. As they've had in a while, given you know how vulnerable Alabama had looked, and having that game at home and the excitement around it, so I I, I think that this is a, a a must-have game for Texas A&M, and, and and honestly, you know this is one you're probably in the preseason if you're looking at the schedules are going to give to the Vols. So if the Vols give give this one away, like that, it, it, yeah. it I feel like it's a low-key, you know, high uh, high risk and high reward kind of game. Yeah.
0: No, it does. I mean, we got a couple, and we'll get to one that might be the biggest in that category, but this one certainly, CD to your point, does feel like that because so much to gain, right? a and m bounce back, good win on the road against a good team. and so much that obviously, if you if you drop it, they you have there to lose. And then for Tennessee, kind of same situation. All right, big Turk, what have we got next?
2: All right. We got the two and a half point spread, and that is in favor of Kentucky hosting Missouri. Uh, hard to find two teams where the narratives are different than last week going into those big games they had. And it was not the biggest shock in the world to see those two teams lose. Mm-hmm. But getting 50 dropped on you by Georgia for Kentucky and then Missouri going up two scores and then eventually dropping that game, those ones hurt. So somebody's bouncing back. Somebody's losing two straight. Who do you think those are?
1: Yeah, man, I, I, I watched that uh, Missouri tape. Watching the ball come out of Brady Cook's hand, it is pretty, man. He throws a nice, accurate ball with great ball placement. These receivers, we we talk an awful lot about Luther Byrd, and as we should, but Theo Weiss has been fantastic, caught a touchdown the other day. Look at Mookie Cooper. I thought he has been a He's nice big. compliment. Uh, seeing uh, Marquise Johnson, like uh, th- those guys, it feels like they are coming together, like building – this team with more talented players than I remember Missouri having, and and they have an identity. They're aggressive on offense. I I really have come to like Cody Schrader and what he's added and what a great story. Yeah. Um, But I I still think that, that that Kentucky is the better team. I, I, I wonder how much, you know, the embarrassment of getting beat, like, like they did in, in Sanford stadium is going to maybe take away some of that confidence that they had, but I lean towards Coach Stoops in this one just because I feel like they've they've been here before where I think Missouri's like experiencing some of this for the first time, losing a really heartbroken mm-hmm. important game that had a lot on the line and how you bounce back from that.
0: This is for both teams massive just maybe the biggest game in the conference this weekend because of all the things that you just said and Kentucky trying to prove no 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 we we belong in the top 25 we just went we got look we got into a buzzsaw against Georgia it got away from us early I promise you we're a top 25 team right and and Kentucky's been trying to build that narrative for a while and you and I are some of the biggest fans of the way they've built this program and then for Missouri right kind of newish in this they've they've certainly had moments but you know this Mizzou team undefeated had maybe the best the best win in in the SEC for a long time that that win against Kansas State and then you are up two scores and so like you have proven to yourself that you can do it I I agree with you like Brady Cook out there spinning the football looks as good as anybody Uh, I mean Schrader's running the football Luther Burden he's one of the top three receivers maybe in the country he's leading the country in yards right now So, yeah, you got Jimmy's and Joe's in Como, and now it's time. Okay, now that we got some of those players, some of those guys that are Sunday players and look like some of those guys at some of those other programs, we got to go take advantage of it. I think Mizzou bounces back this week. I I truly do. I I think that if, 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 if I'm Mizzou, I am trying to turn this into an absolute track meet. I'm trying to turn this into a track meet because Devin Leary in a Kentucky uniform has not shown me that he can keep up with that pace.
1: Can we say, um, can you believe you're saying that? Like Devin Leary and Liam Cohen cannot keep up with Missouri's offense and passing. Kirby game. Moore
0: and Brady Cook are out there cooking. Yep. That's like the third time I've used that this week. I'm <laughs> probably going to use it six more. Okay. But that's what they, I mean, you watch the tape. I mean, do you agree? I mean, they are, they are a well-oiled machine. In the yeah, second they half, they, they sputtered a couple times, against LSU, but there was a lot of good in that tape as well.
1: I like their offense. I like their offensive yeah. design of their plays. I like their play calling. I like the aggressive nature of of their their team in general. Um, so, yeah, I think this is, a, this is a big legitimizing game for Drink. And, you know, the, we've talked about it before. They've been to bowl games the last three years, but in each case they've been six and six. Like, yeah. let, let's make a bowl game. With a with a, uh, a, Nine a big and three. time announcement, yeah, let's make let, let's do that with some let's uh, announce our, our presence with authority, like Nuke Lelouch like talk to talks about it, Durham. This is going
0: to be like the pre-gaming the SEC bowl, though. This is like two of our favorites, yeah. <laughs>
1: Kentucky
0: and Mizzou stoops and drinks. So it's going to be great to see one team uh, win, but also painful to see one of our boys lose.
1: No doubt. <laughs>
2: All right, one more, and it's the game we talked about with Stephen Garcia. We got Florida, we got South Carolina in Williams Bryce. This is a three thirty Eastern kick on SEC Network. Gamecocks currently favored by two as we sit here on Wednesday night. CD, how you feeling, man? And we'll I, let him start I, right. Florida game. That's how we do it. But okay. I, yeah. how you're feeling?
0: Oh, this is like the I have no idea ball. Like I just I, I don't. Like these teams are ebbs or flows or peaks or valleys or up, they're down. Like, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. I guess home team, sure, because I don't know from week to week which one of these teams is going to show up. It's a day game, though.
1: It's not under the lights there. It doesn't have the same kind of feel that it it, it does when you play at Williams Bryce in in the dark. You're
0: right. You're right there. But still, like, CD, maybe you have a better feel because. Like, we've seen Graham Mertz play great at times. We've seen Spencer Rattler play great at times. We've seen a lot of bad from some of these position groups as well. Like, I'm just not sure how this game plays out.
1: Yeah. Are are you impressed with Graham Mertz and what he's done this year, his 80% completion percentage?
0: Yeah. Like I know a lot of people have a lot of uh, different things to say about that, but anytime you're completing 80% of your passes, I still think that's, yeah. that's really impressive. And I, he's over 1400 plus
1: yards. I have to see it down the field more. I love, I think he's done a great job. I think he's been one of the real few leaders on this team. It's a team in need of some leadership. It's in need of some, some alpha. It, it, mm-hmm. it definitely uh, it doesn't have that, that, that dominant um, leadership group that you need. Maybe they'll figure that out, but like, like you said, I don't know what to trust. Like Florida has been a mess when they've gone on the road to salt Lake city and to Lexington early in the season. If they go out there and they have this big penalty fest where you're slopping it around and you're not you know, able to, to make tackles on defense and you don't have a sense of urgency, you're going to get beat again. But at the same time, like how much do we trust what we've seen from South Carolina at home? They beat Furman and they beat Mississippi state. Both of those yeah. teams uh, are not going to get confused for world killers. So I don't, I don't really know what to expect here, but I do think Florida has an advantage on the line of scrimmage. On both lines of scrimmage, yeah. uh, South Carolina has kind of struggled. If Florida goes in with that aggressive mindset that they are the ones that are going to dictate the, the, the tempo and the physicality of the game, I think they can win it. But if they play yeah. passively like they did against Kentucky, this is going to be one that they drop.
0: The good thing for Florida, South Carolina doesn't have a running game to yeah. speak of and that's going to be a big advantage for the Gators. I agree with you. I do like the D-line matchup for Florida against the South Carolina offensive line. I guess if you're Florida, you can't let Leggett take over the game. Like He's their one weapon that's still out there and healthy, in my opinion. But it is for Florida. The bugaboo for them has been teams that like to run power runs at them and gap scheme runs, not just power runs, but I'm talking about in-between-the-tackle type of runs. I don't think South Carolina can do that against anybody, but certainly I don't know that they can do that against Florida.
1: Florida was the number two rush defense heading into that game against uh, Kentucky and Lexington a couple weeks ago. They were embarrassed. I think they've got something to prove. And I, yeah, I don't know how much you can take away from the Vanderbilt win, but I, I do need to see them be more aggressive. And I understand, you know, Billy Napier's kind of MO is being kind of laid back being calm, but there's a lot of Gator fans that feel like that's rubbing off on Florida on the field. And I need to see a little sense of urgency. Sometimes, you know, this has, you can, inject your team with some some urgency offensively by the play calling and when you're being aggressive yeah. when you're using some tempo when you're taking some shots south carolina's secondary was very susceptible to the play action pass in that mississippi state game florida's gonna run the ball and they're gonna have success doing it i want to see them take some first down shots with some play action to see if you can't get one over the top
0: i think you just talked me into the gators
1: <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing given my, I, my I recent know. track record
0: oh uh, yeah i don't know maybe i should go the opposite way maybe we should bet everything big turple on the gamecocks it is you know it is a big month big month for south carolina i'll just leave what do you it mean? at that big, i don't know what you're talking about big month um i just i heard Remember, there's it like used a... to
1: be it used to be drew Locke. it used to be locktober you know now the uh the whole thing out <laughs> there was. amongst the uh, south carolina fans that it's cocktober now so yeah. we'll see
0: we'll see yeah We'll see if that actually, uh, you know, <laughs> pays off and is something that is actually a thing. Uh, all right, so we end every single show. Uh, take it to the bank, although uh, the bank's with my. Take record, it, it's more like yeah. take it to the cleaners. to yeah, take we're the, it to the cleaners. Right well, now. You, you can take it to the bank, but that means take your ATM card to get more money out.
2: Yeah, <laughs> One piece of good news, and it's that. We, we want to get this podcast out there. We do really good work here. We want more eyeballs on the podcast. So our week six best bets tweet was our highest viewed tweet of the season. <laughs> Great. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, that's because uh, the Alabama fans came for Chris Goring yeah, and they might've found out uh, that he bet against them and bet on Texas mm. AM and that he locked it in earlier in the week, but that's fine. We still got the eyeballs. Um, this was another week where we started hot. We started two and zero, mm-hmm. and we started with the LSU Missouri over, which cashed at the felt like it felt like a, felt like a good
0: court. omen the way that thing closed.
2: Right? Yeah, and then yeah, Hess covering that that uh, five and a half, that LSU minus five and a half on a pick six. It felt like we were in for a good one, and then yeah. we, we did follow that up with an zero and four because you guys were both on Kentucky plus fourteen and mm-hmm. a half, plus thirty four and a half would not have gotten it done. The Arkansas Ole Miss over sixty two and a half also never eight. had a oh. shot. That never. One was like never. I,
1: it, I I would never have imagined that we would have seen such a pedestrian offensive performance on both sides of the ball. Like oh, literally, man. Ole Miss was o of eight on third down through the first three quarters. Had no rhythm whatsoever.
2: Yeah. I bought that thing up to, like, 20 and a half, and that was the biggest waste of six points of all time because those six points were gone instantly. And then the uh, the final one was Texas A&M plus three and a half locked in earlier in the week. But then again, they did not cover that. Hey, but but here's
1: the thing. If Aniah Smith doesn't have his toenail touch out of bounds, they cover that. <laughs> like, literally, he uh, has that. Yeah. And-, and why can't they run the ball in from the two-yard line? You get that holding call, I believe it was Evan Stewart held the yeah. – the edge guy, I mean, golly, it was so
2: close to being a winner. Mm. So close,
0: yet so far away. It's like but a lot is, of our bets this year.
2: Week seven is our week. So what does it run our records yeah. to? Do we have the season totals? <laughs> Oof, um, I actually don't awful. have them on Thank me. God. Okay, okay, <laughs> Thank God. It got lost in translation. Yeah. <laughs> I got to search God. through my files. No,
0: don't do that. Don't do that. Just, Just know we are going to have a major comeback here in week number seven.
1: I'm hoping so. I'm ready. I I'm so. <laughs> neither,
0: not, neither one of y'all is real confident. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel I like uh,
1: I feel like I'm 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 wandering down a road with tumbleweeds trying to find winners, and they're just hey, of just fade me. us.
0: Just come watch the podcast and fade us. Uh,
1: I never liked that idea. What
0: if we start hitting <laughs> the hot street? Well, no, it was the second <laughs> was, Yeah, it's a win-win sincerity. for us.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah if like we they fade us with sincerity, that means we're actually going to have a successful reverse jinx, and yeah. we- All right.
0: Yeah, I like we'll it. see if we can get that done. Uh, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Remember, like, subscribe, do the whole deal. We're on YouTube. We're on social media, at pregaming the SEC on Instagram and Twitter. You can listen to us on SiriusXM, SEC Radio Channel 374. We always enjoy the pregaming. Enjoy the weekend. And we will see you next week, same time, same place, for week eight of pregaming the SEC.